You don't measure the success of an uni broadband network by looking at the financial books of the utility that's providing it. Um, if we were simply to, to, to just barely cover our costs, yet be able to bring this kind of capability to the city, we would be achieving our goals. Hello, this is the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. We've written many times about Longmont, Colorado, as it has developed its municipal network. This week, Chris talks with Tom Roniotis, who's now the general manager of Longmont Power and Communications. Longmont voters decided in 2013 to bond in order to speed up expansion of their fiber-to-the-home network to the entire community. Since then, LPC has been amazed by the demand and has come up with all sorts of creative ways to keep the momentum going. Tom shares some history and a few of Longmont's strategies to get the whole town wired. Now here's Chris and Tom Roniotis. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today I'm speaking with Tom Roniotis, the General Manager of Longmont Power and Communications. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. It's great to have you on. I've been out there. I, I think I've actually visited you. I have a hat looking at me right now from Longmont Power. It's uh, um, You've got a wonderful uh, community out there. Well, thank you. We've got to get you uh, now a new Next Light hat with our new logo. Yes. Blazing across the top, yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely like that. Um, why don't you, uh, for people who aren't familiar, uh, tell us a little bit about Longmont and uh, what you're doing. Well, Longmont is you know about a, mid- a medium-sized city. We have about 92,000 residents here. Um, the city itself is about 30 square miles um, in size, and um, our uh, municipal electric utility uh, Longmont Power Communication here serves um, the entirety of the city and, and some of the uh, surrounding communities, and we serve around 38,000 customers. Um, the vast majority of those customers are within um, the city of Longmont. And um, what we're doing is, um, as of uh, November of last year, we first began offering our brand-new uh, fiber-based broadband uh, services to our uh, city, we um, began in the south side of town. Uh, like I said, in November, we f- uh, first began providing the service, and um, people are very excited about it. It sounds like it. I mean, one of the things that I, I constantly hear, and and just for, for viewers or listeners, I guess it would be the appropriate word. Uh, we're going to get into some of the history, but um, for a quick thumbnail sketch, you know, one of the things that we've seen in Longmont is tremendous support in these early months. And uh, so you, you, can you just give us some numbers in terms of what kind of take rate you're seeing? In order to meet our, our um, financial goals, we wanted to we needed to see about a 37, 38% take rate um, at the end of uh, the fifth year. And what we saw after the end of the first three months, uh, I should say at the end of the first three months marketing cycle in our first launch area was 40% right out of the chute. So we were absolutely ecstatic about that, but that also created some issues we weren't staffed up with installation crews to be able to handle that type of demand, you know, immediately. So we ended up having to hire uh, about double um, our our inside install crews, plus bring in um, a contractor to help us uh, keep up with the demand. And we're pretty much seeing since that launch, we're seeing anywhere from 40 sometimes to 60% take rates in, in some of these uh, areas within the community. 
You know, one of the things that that just brings to mind is is some of the challenges that we've seen in other communities that have experienced those remarkably high take rates. One of them is just having enough money set aside for the capital purchases. Because if you're planning on buying, you know, the number of of devices that would be required for 20% of a neighborhood, but 40% or 60% are signing up, then you start going through that inventory pretty quickly, don't you? Well, you know, in terms of money, you know, we finance this thing to to uh, be able to to uh, build this thing out for five years. So, um, you know, it's not it's not really hurting us from in terms of a, a budgetary standpoint. Um, as a matter of fact, it, it's it's helping us because, as you can imagine, getting a forty percent take rate uh, from day one versus uh, expecting thirty eight percent, you know, a gradual take rate over five years, we're seeing significantly higher revenues a lot earlier in the build, and so that's going to make up uh, for any uh, additional you might call success based expenditures that we're going to have to uh, to uh, make because of the the higher take rate. Well, I'm I'm really glad to hear that because I've uh, some of the experiences that maybe you know maybe we've just learned from that in the industry. Um, you know, I think the 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 economics of this just get a bit complicated in the sense of. Um, at least originally, you sort of budget to connect the first three years worth of people with proceeds from the bonds, and then you would um, try to finance the rest out of the um, out of the revenues. And so, if you had too many customers too early, then you would, it would just sort of throw off later projections, and and ultimately you'd have all the revenue you needed, but it might might not be coming at the right time because of when the the sort of ongoing revenue caught up with the initial um, capital costs. And anyway. It's really – I'm not doing a particularly good job of explaining it, but I'm really happy that you're doing well. And I think, um, you know, given how much interest there is in your model of the double play, um, I think there's a lot of people who are excited to hear that. Um, and just yeah. just to remind people, what are you offering for services? We're offering a phone, um, a digital voice, and uh, high-speed internet. And um, what are you doing when people say, hey, how, what are we going to do about video? I need to watch my Rockies games. Well, you know, to watch your Rockies games, all you need is an antenna here, and you can you can get local <laughs> content, high definition, beautiful, right over the air. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, that we we do have uh, information on our website, and we refer people to uh, uh, certain sites that talk about you know sort of cutting the cord and what you can do without a cable TV connection. But I mean, if if somebody really wants to continue to have cable TV, they you know that that is a competitive business here. You can go to either Comcast. You know, and continue to have your cable TV, or you can go to Dish or, or any of the other, uh, or DirecTV, the other uh, satellite providers. So that's always an option for a customer. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a good reminder. Um, and, and clearly, the the question as to whether or not people, um, you know, will uh, will sign up for internet and telephone only without cable is, um, at least in Longmont, where you have a rather sophisticated. I mean, I think above average sophistication given your your high tech nature. Um, um, do you, do you think you're you're similar to other communities in terms of makeup? We think we're probably a little more towards the high tech end. Uh, yeah, we, we've got so. a, we've probably got a, a little bit more of a high tech community than normal. You know, we've got you know uh, major hard drive manufacturers here like Seagate, the headquarters. Digital Globe is headquartered here. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Digital Globe. They're the ones that do the satellite imagery for Google Earth. Um, and uh, we've just got a uh, there is just a lot of high tech companies located here in Longmont, and uh, of course they have their employees. Many of them live within the community as well. 
So yeah, we and and we we banked on that. We 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 realized, you know, as we took took a look at the business case for that, that we uh, we were we were hoping we were going to see a significantly higher demand for a service like this than you might find in a community that didn't have that type of a uh, population. Right. So I've been I've been bouncing all around on a couple of different things here as uh, going off on tangents because um, I enjoy that sort of thing. But there's a couple of key facts I want to make sure we hit. Um, you you had said the number of of customers you have as a full utility. Um, do you have a number of the about uh, approximate number of premises that will have access to the fiber within Longmont? About thirty seven thousand. Okay, that's the number of premises, and um, and then you borrowed uh, forty million dollars after a, a major referendum. I mean, you guys, you guys really had a overwhelming support demonstrated in twenty thirteen. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, two thirds majority voted in favor of the forty point three million electric revenue bond. By the way, kind of gets back to that first question you had, or you talked about when you said, you know, well, geez, what would you do if you didn't have enough revenue? you know, immediately to be able to, uh, um, you know, cover some of these excess costs. Um, that's one of the reasons why we we backed this entire build by the financial strength of our electric utility is that, you know, we do have the ability, if that if, if we have to do that, to borrow um, money from our, our reserve funds on the electric side to cover any short-term um, cash situations, but we haven't had to do that yet. But that certainly is available to us. And, and again, it's basically leveraging uh, the strength of an asset this community has already invested in to uh, bring itself, uh, you know, high-speed internet service at the lowest possible cost. Because it, because of that strength, we were able to um, obtain um, uh, capital at a, at a very low interest rate. And we've written about this in the past, but um, I was actually I was really heartened to see that even before your time at Longmont, um, the uh, the mayor back in the '90s went to visit Cedar Falls, and then um, the utility ended up building a ring in cooperation with other local municipal. Um, uh, electric providers that has in some ways laid the basis for the current network. Um, you want to just remind people as to what happened there? Well, yeah, back in the mid '90s, our electric utility was looking for ways we could uh, improve the connectivity, uh, particularly between our, our electrical substations and, and field equipment for you know what we call SCADA, supervisory control and data acquisition network. And um, because that, back in the day, I think what we were doing, we were leasing. Uh, T1s from third-party providers at probably uh, pretty high cost, and back in the back at that time they were looking at options like microwave. But we decided to go ahead and bring fiber and build fiber and tie all these substations uh, with a fiber ring. And they knew back in the, in the mid-90s that if you're going to go ahead and, and spend the money that would be required to essentially loop the city with a fiber optic cable, the incremental cost of throwing in a few extra fibers is pretty small. So even though we, we only needed a handful of fibers to, uh, to take care of the electric utility needs, we went ahead and put a 144 fiber cable backbone ring in the city. And uh, our... Uh, City Council and Mayor had the vision back then that they could use that as a, the backbone for a robust fiber-to-the-home network someday. And I think one of the things that people don't always realize is that even while you're building out um, to every home, you've actually just partnered with the schools as well, and, and you're building them a terrific network uh, that, that, from what I could tell, is dramatically reducing their costs and giving them some of the just incredible capacity to each school. 
Well, you're right. Matter of fact, we uh, had that network constructed prior to us offering services to the general community last year, and we're providing them today a 10 gigabit uh, wide area network service that they're utilizing. You know, through tying all the schools within their their school district together, and that's upgradable um, whenever they'd like to 40 gigabits. So, you know, a lot of people brag about, you know, maybe their schools being tied into a gig or a giggy. I like to say that, you know, we got kindergartners having access to 10 gigabits here <laughs> in Longmont. So, so it's, a, it's a pretty exciting thing. Right. Well, so at a $50 uh, a gigabit uh, for those customers who uh, sign up early when they when you're going through town, uh, you have one of the best deals in the nation for gigabit service. Um, and I just saw in uh, Communications Daily, a subscription-only service on D.C. that reports for Capitol Hill, um, that Comcast claims that they're not doing anything special in any of the areas of Colorado that have gigabit municipal networks or, or are working toward it. And I'm curious if you've seen a reaction from the incumbents in any way, contrary to what they might be claiming on Capitol Hill. Yeah, it's interesting. There is we 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 do have a history uh, with the incumbents sort of responding to moves we make. But to, to kind of keep this interview on time, we'll just talk about what we're seeing now. Um, I, the 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 very week that we announced um, in November that we announced um, service was uh, beginning to be available, our next light service here in Longmont, Comcast announced that they were doubling the speeds um, for folks in Colorado at, at no extra charge. Now, it could have been a coincidence. I don't know. We see a lot of those coincidences across the country. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and, you know, we did a lot of research before we did this, and, and I, we do understand that, you know, the incumbents do – step up to the plate, which I think is a good thing. And, uh, it, 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 you know, it, it provides true competition. And, uh, at the end of the day, the consumers win. Um, but, and we also know that, you know, when customers are calling to disconnect their service to, to join Nextlight, uh, they're being offered, uh, some pretty sweet deals by the incumbents. And we anticipated that as well. And that's why we knew that, you know, no, no matter what type of a network we were building, that we were going to have to provide a powerful incentive to our community to come over and, 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 and to invest in Nextlight uh, fairly shortly after we made the investments within their, their neighborhoods. And so that's why we came up with this charter membership program that you referred to, where the bottom line is, is they have three months to take up our service and they would become a charter member three months from the time the service is available at their address. And as a charter member, they will receive a gigabit symmetrical service for $49.95. And like you said, I believe that is the lowest priced symmetrical gig residential service in the country. And by the way, that's not an introductory price. Once they get that price, that $49.95 price, um, they they keep that price for um, as long as they maintain the service. And I actually saw that if if I if I'm in Longmont and I am a charter member, I have that price, and I move, um, it's potential that that will stick with the house. And did I read that correctly? One of the reasons why we did this within the city is we we're future proofing the city, and we want people to future proof their homes as well. And so what we tell them is, um, you know, you make the investment and you become a charter member, that charter membership can, number one, stay with your home, um, and you can advertise that maybe when you're selling your home that it's uh, eligible for charter membership, so you can get a gig for 50 bucks. But if you move within the city limits, not only can you keep that with your, within your home, but you can also take that charter membership with you as well to your new address. 
That's clever. I like that. We really think it's a really a powerful incentive, and, and people are reacting to it extremely positively, like I mentioned, with the high take rates. I'll bet, because I think the dynamic to spell it out for people who, who may not have seen this in action is, is I'm a homeowner, and uh, I hear about Nextlight. I call Comcast or CenturyLink or, or Dish or someone um, to cancel, and, and they say, hey, how about if we cut your bill in half? Will you stick with us? And I might think to myself, yeah, I'll stick with you for six months or a year until you raise my rate, and then I'll go to Nextlight. And, exactly. and that, that can be really damaging for a new network. So, so that's the charter memberships is a brilliant way of going forward. Yeah, and we, it's, we, we do think it's been very it, – well, obviously it's been very effective. Um, so way back in the day when we started this podcast three years ago, we actually um, – one of our early interviews was uh, with Vince Jordan who had been with Utility and he told us about some of the economic development successes. Um, you know, what's been happening in the last two years in terms of job development and that sort of thing around uh, Nextlight? Well, you know, like I said, we first began really providing services last November. Um, to the to the general community, and that began in a predominantly residential area. So um, today we've probably got about 15% of the build complete. The the majority of the build so far has been in in the residential area, but we have we are just within the last couple of months really beginning to, to get into more of the uh, the commercial areas of the city. But um, like you said, one of the primary reasons we, we built this network to begin with was um, for economic development. And, and in a way, you know, you know, Longmont kind of sits north of Boulder, in the shadow of Boulder. And we saw this as an opportunity to sort of differentiate our community from the rest and uh, in a positive way that we think uh, can strengthen us from an economic development standpoint. And it has. Um, the, uh, the business community has been extremely uh, excited about it. Um, I've had, uh, um, we've had uh, local businesses that were, were looking to expand and looking to expand outside the city that have sat down and talked to us and have cited that one of the reasons they elected to stay was because of the availability of uh, the next light service. Um, matter of fact, just last week, my uh, the city manager here just moved into a new home and met his uh, next door neighbors for the first time, and they actually came right out and told them that they, uh, they worked out of their home and they were looking for a new home um, somewhere in the North Denver area and um, actually decided on Longmont. Uh, one of the primary reasons was because of the availability of the, the gigabit network. So uh, we are hearing, um, we're getting that kind of feedback from uh, uh, businesses here in the community and, and folks are really excited about it. Yeah, I'll bet. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think is getting um, lost to just give you another tangent briefly is that, and I, I wouldn't expect you to speak ill of any of your competitors, but but I'm in a city that's served by Comcast and CenturyLink. Um, and I can just say from my experience that, that both of those companies are investing more than I expected to. But frankly, I'm not really that interested in a gigabit from them. One of the things I love about getting a gigabit would be a, pro- a provider that would give me good customer service, a sense that prices weren't going to go up every year, and all kinds of other things. So, you know, in the Denver metro, you may have gigabit rolling out in some areas by some of the existing providers, but that's not the same thing as what you're doing there. Well, you know, I think one of the things that we underestimated was how much dislike there is for the incumbent provider. <laughs> and I'm trying to be gentle here, but I we had one neighborhood that told us, and this was probably about a month and a half ago, they actually had a block party 
um, in celebration of being able to kick Comcast to the curb <laughs> uh, when Nextlight was available. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, y- you combine the fact that we're offering the fastest uh, uh, broadband at the lowest prices in the nation with the fact that people are generally not happy with uh, the incumbent providers, and that's been a uh, very powerful combination for us. Right. Well, as we're wrapping up the call, I, I saw something that I'd like to ask you about, which is um, every community that builds a fiber network has this challenge of connecting low-income people because uh, the local government is is responsive to everyone. Uh, it certainly should be. And and we know that some people aren't able to afford $50 a month or, or even sometimes less than that, uh, certainly. Um, but I saw that you, you're, you're trying to think outside the box a bit and maybe looking at uh, community development block grants that might help you to expand access. And, and what can you tell us about that? At this point, we're really not doing anything about that with our fiber network. Um, but um, since uh, 19, I should say 2005, we've had in the city of Longmont a citywide Wi-Fi network that we actually ended up inheriting here uh, uh, about a year ago. And we've been providing what we call a digital divide uh, program um, through that wireless network for several years. And uh, we are continuing to do that with the wireless network uh, today. And uh, once we finally get this network constructed, and by the way, we because of the, the overwhelming response, we, we accelerated the build and we're hoping to have the entire city constructed with the, the fiber network by the end of uh, 2016. Um, and uh, so, but we're going to wait till we actually get the complete network completed. Uh, we, you know, we get about a year or so of, of operation under our, under our skin a little bit and be able to really take a look at our uh, financials um, before we figure out what we can do in terms of, you know, low income type rates utilizing the fiber itself. But like I said, in the meantime, we are providing a digital divide program via Wi-Fi. One of the things that I really like about public ownership, one of the reasons that the Institute for Local Self-Reliance is so supportive of it is because we know that with you have an extra take rate, that's more money that's going to be flowing into the community. Um, you know, And so rather than a, a private company that might be taking that money and, and giving a bigger dividend to shareholders across the world, um, you're going to be able to do interesting things and make sure that people's rates are low. So I just think it's, it's really terrific to PC. What I think of is people investing in themselves. Well, and you're absolutely right. And, and, and quite frankly, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the manager of a 103-year-old municipal utility that, that was based on those same principles. And, you know, we've been, it's been a very successful um, organization. We have some of the lowest electric rates uh, here in the state of Colorado, and that uh, also goes a long way in terms of um, economic development as well, as you can imagine. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, to the extent that... Uh, we bring in revenues in excess of our operational costs. That either goes to either um, improving the network or uh, maintaining or lowering rates to the to the citizens. Because you're right, we are a net for profit organization, and we didn't do it for profit. I say, you don't measure the success of a muni broadband network by looking at the financial books of the utility that's providing it. Um, if we were simply to to, to just barely cover our costs yet be able to bring this kind of capability to the city, we, we, we would be achieving our goals. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and giving us a sense of what's happening in Longmont. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Chris. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you. 
Send us your ideas for future shows. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Community Nets. You can also find us on Facebook. Search for Community Broadband Networks and like our page. Once again, we want to thank BKFM B-Side for their song, Raise Your Hands, licensed through Creative Commons, and thanks again for listening. <laughs>